Welcome to the Diabetes Burnout Podcast, powered by Diabetes Qualified. Thank you for listening in today. I'm Linda Ferrugia from Diabetes New South Wales and ACT and Diabetes Qualified. And joining me today to talk about diabetes distress and diabetes burnout is Dr. Vered Gordon. Vered is a GP and has been practising for 25 years. And more recently, mental health and counselling have made up a greater focus of her practice. She's currently the General Practice Education Program Developer for the Black Dog Institute and facilitates education in mood disorders for GPs, psychologists and allied health professionals throughout Australia. So welcome, Vered. It's a pleasure to be here, Linda. One of the reasons we've asked you to come along today is that for people with chronic conditions like diabetes, mental health and their mood or headspace, it's such an important factor in their well-being. We always include a session of it in any of our larger events for people with diabetes, and some people really love it, um, but others are a little bit more sceptical. But we kind of feel that it's really important to talk about it, so I really appreciate you being here today. Thanks, Linda. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here, and secondly, I think it's really wonderful to be shining a light on the connection between emotional well-being and living with diabetes, because for people living with diabetes, it's part of their everyday experience, and giving voice to that, I think, is really vital. I guess to to get started, can you explain for us what diabetes distress and diabetes burnout are? So diabetes distress is the name we give to the emotional distress of living with diabetes day by day in the longer term. So that's living with some of the demands of the self-care that a lot of people live with, living with the fear of complications or maybe the appearance of complications, and also living with the stigma, which again may not be as widely understood as we currently now know that day-to-day people living with diabetes also can face stigma in their daily life. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because unless you have diabetes or you live with someone with diabetes, you don't actually really always see how much work is involved in just looking after your health. Absolutely. And as a general practitioner, it might be easy to tell someone to do certain things without really understanding the full impact of that, of how many times a day are they going to have to think about that, make decisions around it, miss out on things because of it. So it's really important to understand that there is a lot of behaviour change that we look at and a lot of implications in the advice we're giving people and then what that means for them as they're living it day by day. Is diabetes distress or diabetes burnout, are they different to depression? They are different in that diabetes distress is really connected with the experience of living with diabetes. So the emotions that a person's feeling, the distress they're experiencing really ties in with all the aspects of living with diabetes in their life. With depression, it globalises, which means that it starts to affect other domains in their life. So, for example, feelings of failure may not just be around, I'm not managing my diabetes well. It can be around work, around relationships, around other aspects of my life. Or losing motivation and energy may not be restricted to just around my diabetes self-care. It's globalising now to not wanting to do anything or not enjoying the things that I normally enjoy or not having energy to go about doing the things I normally do. But having said that, diabetes distress, if it's left for a long time, can tip into a depression. And sometimes the two things can occur together. And following on from that then, would the treatment be the same? Yeah, so it is a little bit different. Because diabetes distress is so tightly connected to the experience of living with diabetes, It's often best managed by the diabetes practitioners looking after a person. So whether that's a GP who is involved, the diabetes educator, the dietitian, often diabetes distress is more about really finding out what is it 
that the person's finding burdensome? What is it that's become too hard? And perhaps then together collaborating to look at solutions to passing that impasse to actually find a way to alleviate the hardship. Whereas treating depression, that may be sometimes out of the realm of the diabetes practitioners and then you might be wanting to involve other practitioners like a psychologist in addressing the depression itself. And is it very common? So diabetes distress is surprisingly common. So around one in four of people with type 1 diabetes would suffer significant diabetes distress. That's about one in five when we look at type 2 diabetes who are users of insulin and then about one in six of people with type 2 diabetes who are not using insulin. So it's very common. And I guess it could well be that it's something that comes and goes in their life. Is that typically how it would present? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it tends to fluctuate. So maybe at times of other stresses in a person's life, they maybe were managing with the diabetes to a point and then another stress comes in and then it becomes overwhelming. Or at times, for example, of bereavement or grief. So other events in a person's life can also impact then on their ability to cope with living with their diabetes on a daily basis. And so for health professionals that may be talking to someone who's living with diabetes, you know, they might be a podiatrist and looking at their feet, they might be um, a dietitian, they might be a credentialed diabetes educator. What kind of symptoms, you know, could they notice that would perhaps alert them to maybe ask someone if they're doing okay? Often what practitioners will see will be a change in that person's behaviour, particularly around their diabetes management. So they may become less reliable on appointments. They may be, may be missing elements of their self-care. They may be not taking the medications regularly the way they normally would. And sometimes in a consultation, you'll feel maybe some frustration or a disengagement or a disinterest or, you know, people... Um, finding reasons why the things that you're perhaps suggesting as a practitioner are not going to work or are not feasible or are not going to be helpful. So there's some of the changes you might notice. Do you think it would be helpful if perhaps diabetes health professionals would just add a standard question to their, you know, part of their cycle of care? Because I would imagine if they don't know the person really well, some of those things might be a little bit tricky to to identify. Yeah, Linda, I think that's really, really vital. I think part of what we want to do is normalise that your emotional health is part of your overall health. And every time we ask that question, we're really saying your emotional health is part of this. We're not separating out here's the physical stuff and if you're having emotional stuff, talk to someone else or don't talk about it with me. So I feel like if we could start inquiring, not just how's the foot going or how's your blood sugar going, but how are you going into our standard diabetes care, I think that would make a big change for the good. Some health professionals may feel uncomfortable about asking specific questions uh, because they don't want to offend or maybe they feel like it's outside of their scope of practice or they may feel like they've got some really tight appointment time constraints. Have you found a helpful way of asking people that elicits a fairly genuine response? Yeah, look, I think what's important is to normalise the whole process. So I think one is to normalise that people living with diabetes often run into emotional hardship or emotional hurdles and that's why we need to ask because it's common and understandable. And the second is that 
normalising the asking so that people who are living with diabetes get used to the fact that when they come in, not only are they asked about their physical condition, but they're also being have inquiries around their mental well-being. For GPs also, there are tools they can use. So there are questionnaires like the problem areas in diabetes scale or the diabetes distress scale so that if you're time pressured, you may encourage people to fill the questionnaire in before the appointment and you can look at the questionnaire together. So that provides a different way of being able to monitor people's emotional wellbeing without perhaps having to spend as long in the consultation um, gaining the information. I guess appreciating that everyone's different and will have varying degrees of, of distress, burnout or depression... What do you recommend for working through the issues? Well, look, I think a big part of it is initially the validation and the lack of judgment. I think it's hard for people living with diabetes sometimes to find a safe space Mm. to just talk about how hard it is. Sometimes you don't want to burden your family or friends or sometimes they're kind of blaming you or making it it's kind of your fault that you're finding it hard. So I think that if health practitioners can create a safe space for people to really talk about their experience where that is viewed as as normal and understandable, that already goes a long way to alleviating distress. The second thing is that people sometimes have very levels of information and sometimes distress is about not having the right information or the right information for you in particular that you can understand that makes sense, that meets your needs. There's a lot of misinformation, particularly around complications or around hypos that can be terrifying or that can cause you a lot of fear. And I think that health practitioners can do a lot by providing accurate, real information that's really appropriate and tailored at the needs of the person in front of you rather than sort of broad swathes of information, which might not help. And I think, um, well, I don't know, maybe you've had this experience, but people are more likely to open up to someone that perhaps they're not, you know, spending their every day with and living their life and feeling like perhaps they're going to be judged. So is that something that you found? Absolutely. And and some people, you know, feel like it's a failure in a way to admit that they're yeah. finding it hard and they might not want to share that with people close to them. So it really is helpful. And then when, when I as a GP can respond and go, yeah, that Lots of people feel how you feel. It's pretty normal to have times where you find it overwhelming, where you feel you've got no motivation or you just don't want to do it anymore. You know, that, that that's normal and I see that all the time. I think that's incredibly comforting for people to hear mm. that. What are your top two or three useful tips for health professionals when talking to people with diabetes? Well, I think, again, I can only repeat again, like having that empathy, having that openness, being validated. But I think also noticing people's strengths. A lot of times people come to us with this feeling that they're going to be in trouble or we're only going to notice the things they haven't done or the things they haven't achieved. But actually seeing the small changes people are making and supporting those, working with people's strengths, seeing where they're succeeding rather than when they're failing and making it feel like even small steps mean something. You don't have to change everything in one go if you can inch towards change. That's still really powerful and really important. So I think if health professionals can help set that positive tone, it can be incredibly important for the people they're seeing. One of the messages that we often give to people is that, you know, exercise is is really important for your diabetes, but it's also really important for your mental health. And so we kind of carry that on. Is that something that health professionals, even though it might be 
technically outside of their scope of practice. Is, is there a way that they can perhaps incorporate that message to people? I do think more widely the health professions are now embracing the idea that physical activity is really useful for mental wellbeing as well as physical wellbeing. I think what can happen when people get distressed is they become less capable of being physically active than they normally are. And so what you're needing to do then is troubleshoot with them. Okay, right now you can't do what you're used to be able to do. What are some things you can still do, even though it's that little bit harder to make yourself do it, even though you might feel you don't want to be around people or you don't want to be outside, uh, really supporting people and being active at a level they can manage rather than setting the bar too high and then again reinforcing that idea that they're failing over and over with our expectations. For those um, that are keen to learn more, where are the best places that health professionals can get some more information? One of the places I think that GPs and other health professionals can really get great information is from the Diabetes and Emotional Health Handbook which has been produced by Diabetes Australia and the NDSS. It's incredibly practical. It's full of questions you can ask, referrals you can make, and is comprehensive really across all the areas that overlap between diabetes and emotional health. The other thing I can recommend is we have now at Black Dog Institute created a three-hour face-to-face training program for general practitioners, and that will really look at the interface between diabetes and emotional health really with an emphasis on understanding that when we improve the emotional health of people living with diabetes, we actually improve their physical outcomes as well. That's great. That's really helpful. We'll put links to both of those on the Diabetes Qualified website. So thank you, Vera. I really enjoyed how you talk about what it is that health professionals can do and the questions that they ask, because some of us get really nervous about asking what may be perceived as difficult questions because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. But I guess really what you've kind of highlighted is that those questions can be a bit of a relief when someone's invited to talk about how they're really feeling. So I think this is really important. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Diabetes Burnout Podcast. For more information, fact sheets and resources, head to diabetesqualified.com.au.